Happy New Year, girl. Happy New Year. I haven't seen you in a minute. Yeah, it actually has been a minute. Not even been a minute for just on camera, but... Mm -hmm. Like, actually, real life. (laughs) Real life, it's been a minute. Yeah. Except I'm in your messages every three seconds. Yeah, I don't think I've gone a single day without talking to you. Yeah. Wherever I am in the world, actually. Although, when you were across the sea... Yeah, when I was... Time zones got difficult. That's true. And I think it's the time span as well. Like, because I was there for so many years, just naturally, you kind of... Yeah, because when someone can't be there for you on Mm -hmm. the spot, because girls need advice on the spot. We need to know what to say to the guy right away. Yeah. It's also, if you're not part of my day-to-day life... Exactly. I'm exhausted to keep you posted because... Like just in the last three weeks, do you know how much shit has happened to me in the last three weeks? If I haven't spoken to you, you're just not going to know what happened. It's more of a flowing conversation when you're talking to a girlfriend that you talk to every day and you get to talk about the actual stuff that matters. Forget about the actions of what this boy did. Let's talk about what was going on in his head. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we we, dis- we want to dissect the shit. Exactly. <laughs> and that's what we care about. That's true. That's why we're here sitting in front of these microphones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's flu season, girly. Oh, I know. Tell me about it. I had the worst New Year's Eve. I was sick. I got in like a couple things with a couple people. It was just such a bad New Year's Eve. I think we should all just accept that New Year's Eve is awful. Yeah. Can we take the emphasis of this grand evening and all this pressure that we have to put on it? It's okay if we ask you, what are you up to for New Year's Eve? And it's perfectly acceptable for you to say, I'm doing nothing. I'm ordering in food or we're doing a nice meal and we're having a couple glasses of champagne or whatever and just staying in. Although sometimes the grandness of something can bring to light something that you may not have noticed before because on new year's eve there was a specific situation that i was in that brought to light some emotions out of me and it was because of the importance of the evening but like what the lack of my presence Mm -hmm. in someone else's apartment and the presence of someone else in his apartment on this special evening really brought forward some emotions to light where I just... You stand in this person's yeah, life. absolutely. Yeah, your prior, like his priority towards you or your priority towards him. Yeah. So I went through something similar. I Actually, mine started a little bit earlier, like Christmas during the holidays. And let me ask you this. Do you put value on spending time with your significant other especially during the holidays. Absolutely. And it doesn't matter how early it is. If you know Mm -hmm. they are someone of value to you, there's no rules. All rules out the window, bringing up Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey again. Yeah. They spent Christmas together. Yeah. They're what? They're dating. Their families full on like Matt. Yeah. Yeah. They've been dating six months. It's not too early. Mm Mm-hmm. I would even say if you knew that the person was the one, three months isn't too early. I, I agree. I think if you know this person is going to be part of your life, part of the dating process is integrating them in your life, in your day-to-day life. And that includes family. Now, I'm not saying get in the family photos and make 
long-term long-term plans but being part of that it's special it's important girl how many times have we been with guys that have rejected the idea of moving too fast too quickly and in the end it's always just because we were never the one yeah we knew yeah and we just went along with their <laughs> and excuses. vice versa like it's it doesn't just go with guys treating girls this way it's it's the same thing because i've been in situations where i've definitely delayed or prolonged the dating uh, phase because i just knew that guy wasn't for me i don't mean for me as in he's not for me right now but i mean he's not for me long term now the question is why would you waste your time with it because every phase of your life requires a different thing when you're in your 20s i wasn't looking for a husband yeah right and so like my goals my values are a little bit different than you know when you're in your 30s but anyway so my new year's eve i had the flu by the way if you're sick just get away from me just i got sick from someone you have to get away because there's nothing you can take to help the flu there's some medications out like there the, like you can to take, reduce the symptoms yeah to re exactly to reduce the symptoms but then unless you're one of those people that gets bronchitis mm. i'm one of those people that gets a cough like a dry cough that never goes away but there's no prescription for that it's just the only thing they can prescribe is maybe like a high dose codeine cough syrup yeah and that just basically forces your system to go to sleep so you forced your throat to rest right with bronchitis i get you can get a prescription for that because it's it becomes i don't know the science behind it but it becomes almost like a bacterial infection no matter what you do the lineups at the pharmacy are hella long now and it's not a place i want to spend my time speaking of prescriptions mm. i'm just gonna go right into this yeah. because this is what we were talking about earlier we've had some people reach out to us for some advice which is lovely it's it really is. nice to be able to help our listeners out <laughs> do they know we know jack shit <laughs> so but okay i'm not gonna i don't have a god complex i i don't think i know everything i actually think the opposite mm -hmm. i admit that i know nothing yeah but deep down i also believe that people who understand they know nothing or actually the people that know yeah yeah so i'm i'm kind of giving myself a compliment in the yeah process. a little bit <laughs> anyways <laughs> it brought to light this trend that i've been seeing on social media because now that we do a podcast and we put out podcast clips mm. we're amongst the crowd of other podcast clips yeah. and dare i say it other motivational speakers oh, we do not we do not fall in classify that. ourselves no. as motivational speakers we do not classify ourselves as advice givers mm -hmm. none of that we don't have it figured out no our whole stick is just trying to figure things out together yeah because we think that's where the best learning ground comes from yeah and so the few people that have reached out to us for advice we've given it but it hasn't been very prescription based and i think the reactions that we get back from people are a little bit disappointed because they're like oh i was hoping you would tell me exactly what to they do in this more situation concrete whereas we 
even the way you and I talk to each other a lot of times, it's more thought provoking. I don't want to ever put ideas or like force a situation or a solution down your throat. I think the best type of advice is when you're able to come to the conclusion by yourself and to connect the points that are important to you to come to a resolution or a solution that works for you. Learning the skill of connecting the dots yourself Mm -hmm. is the most valuable thing that you can learn. Mm -hmm. And we only have started to get better at it by communicating with each other. And challenging each other. Because a lot of times like you'll say me, yeah, but girl, what was this and this and this? But you don't tell me like necessarily this is what happened. You say, think about it. And then I take time to think about it. And I'm like, oh yeah, this makes sense. And it's vice versa. You're asking a question saying, you know, what's the solution to cheating? We don't have one. We don't. We've lived through it. We've lived through it. And we can we can share our experiences with you. But I also don't think we're the type of people in general to to say this is it. Like I would never speak like that anyway. I think the point that we're trying to make is there's nothing wrong with not having a solution to something. So let's take cheating, for example. Mm -hmm. If you're a victim of cheating, they want to make themselves feel better. So they're trying to figure out a a way to either villainize the person who's done the cheating or a way to ignore that situation completely and put themselves back up on a pedestal, which is where the motivational speakers come in. Believe in yourself. Don't let others bring you down. I think where that advice lacks is it's lacking in substance. It's superficial. It is a bit superficial. Yeah. And so you'll find yourself at a dead end sometimes. It can only take you so far. Mm-hmm. If I listen to upbeat music to try and lift up my day, that could only take me through the morning. Let's yeah. be honest. I've gone through several more of the last few mornings just having a little <laughs> dance party my by myself to try to bring up my day. But inevitably, those thoughts do come creeping back Mm -hmm. in about why did this last guy leave me, et cetera, et cetera. Why am I still single at my age? The only way I've been able to advance myself past those thoughts and past them really bringing my entire self-confidence down has been through critical thinking and critical conversations yeah, and self-reflection and and value putting value on self-growth, right? And that's that's at the end of the day when you you simply asking for advice is actually a the correct step. You're taking the right steps. Is it the the final step? No. But it's it's a good step for you to say, hey, what are your thoughts on this? Now, I personally wouldn't want to ask like what ex- give me the give me the map of life because that's I don't think my map is the same as your map. I don't want to be hard on people asking for advice, but maybe let's let's work on appreciating that not every advice will be relatable to you specifically. Everyone beliefs. is at a certain stage in how they perceive things. Yeah. And as well. Their own stage of healing, 
their own capability of what they're willing to put up with, what they're willing to ignore, right? Like I've I've had girlfriends where we've talked about things and they're perfectly okay just burying their head under the table, you know, yeah. is, is that the saying? <laughs> Don't bury your head under <laughs> the table. I was thinking about the eating the grapes. Have you seen that? Eating grapes I, I under have. the I table. I didn't look into to too much. Your, yeah. I saw it on TikTok. It I'm too like, deep in the tarot card readers. Oh, I, I can only attach myself to one I thing. feel like your feeds are coming into my feeds because I was getting a few of those and I was, I'm quick to skip those. Girl, they are so spot on. Uh, I don't no, know how I just they don't do want it. that energy in my life. Okay. I feel like it's, it's you know, I'm not against feeding delusion to help you feel better. I think listening to upbeat music is a form of delusion. It's f- forgetting about what's going on in your life. Yeah. It's just having fun for a few seconds. And I think that's what tarot card readers sometimes do. It just kind of, it pets you on the head and they just say, he's struggling too. Don't worry. And right. that may not be true at all, but right. it's, if you believe it for a few minutes out of your day, it, it may help you. Yeah. I think my worry with that is it's not necessarily th- like those comments, but it's you're going to find love in 30 days. No, no. Those are the bad tarot and card you're just readers. Like, what Don't are listen you on to about? them. No. Go away. I just, I can't. The t- my tarot card readers are actually quite negative. Uh, so, but <laughs> that's why it's, it's you're dying in 60 days. reinforcing the you message have, to me. You have I'm 60 like, days to live. Yeah. Just go eat grapes under the table. But I think in order to get where we are, understanding the value of this back and forth conversation, mm-hmm. I think what we both have is the ability to look into our past and say, oh, yes, I remember being where she is now. Empathy. Empathy. <laughs> 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 right that's it's it's hugely important but it's also you can use it for yourself like yeah. when I look at the last guy I dated and the things he said to me mm-hmm. before he left me I could easily get angry at him or frustrated mm-hmm. you know because he agreed with many of the points I had on the woman he was fleeing me for but I remember being in that position just a few short years ago and my girlfriend's telling me, girl, you got to leave him. Right. This isn't going to work. And I just, I was there in the sense of, I knew they were right, but I wasn't there in the sense of I was strong enough to change my life at that time. So I understand what that's like. And so when I look at others in those situations, I'm empathetic and I'm patient. And this goes back to there is no one advice. There is no one prescription for the way you live your life. Right. And so take take Cynthia when she was in that relationship and your girlfriends are saying you got to leave him now depending on how they've communicated that advice to you and how forceful they were about that that advice you you might almost withdraw from talking to them you might even withdraw because you know it's the right thing to do but it adds more pressure to you it makes you feel crappier about your situation whereas if someone is more empathetic and more a non-judgmental safe space where it's more about just bring your thoughts on the table. Let's figure this out together. It's not about me telling you what to do because this isn't that kind of friendship or this is 
you know, that kind of conversation. But let us know how you feel. Tell me what what's in your head. And let's just talk about it. I think humans have a deep need for certainty. It, it's playing out more and more in our modern day lives. Because so many things around us nowadays are very uncertain. And right. so we just, we're constantly craving that certainty. And that's where we are flocking to these people that are telling us things, the prescription way of doing things. Don't do this. Uh, go no contact. Make sure you drink your, well, of course it's okay to drink water, but make sure you drink this many glasses of water a day or else this is going to affect this. And then your mood's going to be down and everyone is different. Everyone is built different. So it's going to affect people differently. And then now this prescription advice is going to start affecting those people it doesn't work for. Yeah. Well, you were yeah. just telling me about a guy you were talking to who is just discovering his dissatisfaction with yeah, the friend. mundaneness of life. Some people get to that stage very early on. Some people get to it later on in life. That's a whole other mental beast to tackle. In my experience, it's typically hit people who are very successful or fulfilled early on in life, either through a sport that they grew up in yeah. high school, being very successful. They went and played in university and then maybe they played pro for a little bit. And then all of a sudden they're too old, AKA early thirties uh, for sports and it hits them like that. I find that there's a big struggle for that realization in sports players, but I think it could hit other people at any point during life. And I think it's hitting Gen Z even earlier because they're very woke to the mundaneness of the nine to five uh, and they don't want to participate in it. So as soon as they ent enter into the job market, they're waking up to the fact that it's like, this is my life. No, the workforce in Gen Z is a little bit because they're not necessarily even complaining about the nine to five. They're complaining about work in general. <laughs> yes. Well, because so, for them, though, don't forget it. It's still corporate is the devil. That's what well, they grew up. We didn't grow up with that narrative necessarily. They grew up with that narrative. Mm -hmm. So they don't even want to work right. for the corporation. Well, they don't want to work for anyone. Yeah. Like their work ethic is, is changing. Going yeah. back to what you said earlier, though, about wanting stability and consistency. It's actually part of what women seek in men. And it's part of our evolution. Yes. And so like... If you go into like what a woman seeks in a mate biologically, stability, consistency is what she looks for. And so maybe just throughout evolution and not just biological evolution, but social evolution, we've created this desire to be stable and consistent. And when you're re reading certain like books, they're emphasizing routine, right? Routine, right. waking up the same exact time every single day and having a morning routine is meant to differentiate between a successful person and an unsuccessful person. This is what this is what's being 
prescribed right now, right? Is it true? Who knows? Who knows? I don't know. I'm, am I doing it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so like we're sitting here and we're saying prescription doesn't work, but also at the same time, try something. If you think something might work for you, try it. Yeah. But don't let it be the buy, buy all, buy all, be all, be and all, end, end all. all. <laughs> don't let it be that. Be critical about it, right? So give it a go. Self-examine, see how it's working for you. If it is improving your life, even in a small amount, small way, continue it. So you hit on a great point here because let's go back to the motivational speakers. Mm -hmm. There's so many people out there talking about, I built my business this way. And if you just had a million dollars to start with, like that's the running joke, right? when people make fun of these motivational speakers, they're like, well, um, I don't have a million dollars to start with. So thanks for your advice, but no thanks. And so people are now off that train, but exactly to your point, what it's doing is it's driving people completely the other way. They aren't trying at all. They don't want to try at all because what's being prescribed out there, they're seeing it's not going to work for me. And so I'm just not going to try it all. And so now they're trickling down to the next thing that they can have certainty from. And that's not working either. Why does my love life still suck? If all these people that once gave me this certain advice also aren't in solid relationships, now I can't have certainty here either. And so it's depressing people further and further and further down because They're just, again, they have this need for that certainty and they are discovering they can't find it. And now they don't want to try it all either. So it's contributing to this like lack. They're not finding it because they're not actually critically looking for it. Exactly. Which is our point in the beginning. Which is what we're saying. Yeah. Have advice. um, Advice is meant to be guidelines let's say right it's like your bullet points it doesn't mean it's like you do things step by step your life is your life everyone has a different dna and that's okay take the men that we have different tastes in Mm -hmm. as an example like i say to people all the time like look i may be in my situation because the kind of man i want the kind of man i picture as a successful relationship for me partnership it's a very long list of things that that person has to fulfill. And so the advice for having this successful relationship may work for you, but it may not work for me. People, you know, say, go expose yourself more, go on dating apps, do this. But I just know my type of man, the person I'm seeking isn't going to be on those apps. So I'm not going to give myself that advice. Yeah. But I don't want it to be a downer for people who also feel the same way as me. Like, you know, that can be a real downer for people when you realize that you're not fitting into that specific bubble. Well, I don't want to go out. Like, I don't want to, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It makes you feel so much crappier when someone speaks to you that way. And it's okay to have a conversation about it and say, hey, Cynthia, have you tried this? And so you can say, well, no, not really. And then, you know, Maybe I'd push back and say, well, is this a priority for you? Is finding someone a priority for you? 
and your response might be yeah it is and so okay well what are we doing to take the right steps to maybe get there because you guys are going to show up (laughs) yeah knocking on your door but it doesn't mean it has to be on dating apps right it doesn't mean it has to be any other way that anyone's found it you might run into them in the grocery store which actually I think that's where you're going to find the love of your life (laughs) I do too (laughs) I really do I want to have just as much fun with him in the grocery store as we would at a county fair yeah that's what I always used to say Mm. there was a person that came to us for advice there they recently started dating someone who was a victim of cheating and they want to know how to make this person feel secure. And my answer kind of took two comments <laughs> to, to write out, but it really wasn't that prescriptive. What I really wish was that I could sit down and have a conversation with this person right? because I have a lot of experience in this area because when this did happen to me, I was one of those people that didn't blame the person I was with. I kind of understood where they were coming from because I understood them as a person. I'm not saying, oh, I deserved this or, oh, I had this coming because who I was dating. I'm just saying I understood them as a person. So I really didn't want to label them as an evil person. I don't think anyone's really evil deep down unless you really believe in that but anyways because of my original perception of that person and in that moment I was able to take a different route into healing than other people would have taken and so I had to take this like long route of what it meant for me to feel insecure in very subtle ways I think a lot of people end up insecure in very large ways. Like the next relationship they go into, they're all over the next person. They want to check their phone. They want certainty. Right. And I think I realized early on that I was never going to get that. No matter what relationship I was in, you can't guarantee that that next person isn't going to cheat on you. So I really had to look inward and figure out the emotions that I was going through. Was I feeling insecure? What was the reason I didn't step away immediately and try to target all of those questions in myself? And I think the journey that I had coming out of that led me to be able to have this like fulsome view of how to make a person feel loved and secure because I came out with a a list that didn't necessarily revolve around the other person absolutely guaranteeing with their words no I will never cheat on you no the point is you have to say that in other ways your your healing journey wasn't about you trying to fix the other person it was you fixing yourself exactly and so it was about you Mm-hmm. you made it about you you made it about what what is triggering me in this moment what so this act has happened why is it upsetting me so much and so this might be different for everyone I know cheating is such a it sounds like such a common not a co- common thing but it's such a 
it's such a normal topic, right? It, it happens all the time. But you'd be surprised how people are impacted by it so differently. Yeah. It will get different parts of you. And your journey is going to be different than my journey. This this goes back to you wish you just you were able to talk to this person who reached out to us yeah. and just say this is kind of the journey I went through and not because you're trying to give her a map maybe through your experience she can relate somehow to some of the parts or she might be like oh you know what I'm actually very different than the you explaining your journey it's more about them being able to self-reflect to see what parts of that they can like relate with That's finding it. different pieces to relate to yeah that's why we're not for everyone our mm. way of talking through things isn't for everyone they're mm. not going to pick up on the way we interact interact and, yeah. organically deal with things mm-hmm. i think some people are meant for the prescriptive life we're just trying to share our thoughts on why we feel that may not be best for the long term mm-hmm. it's not the best long-term life strategy to i you say that but you know we had a we did a topic on leaders and followers and some people some people do require a little bit more guidance, a little bit more A, B, C, D, step one, step two, step three. Some people need it and not because they need it because they can't, they're not capable of the next step, but because maybe they just need a little bit of a more structured life, a structured routine yes, to allow them to adopt different practices. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a great point. So, you know, just like we're sitting here, we're saying, don't take our advice. <laughs> don't take our <laughs> advice for even the prescription shit we're saying. Because <laughs> it might work for you. I think if anyone could take anything from our conversations, it would just be encouraging them to have similar conversations with the people around them. It wouldn't yeah. be about digesting the exact conclusions that we've developed mm-hmm. out of our conversations. It would be about challenging them to have similar analytical conversations amongst their peer group do you think this exists in like most people's friendships or connections though I think if it does it's mostly between women and mostly between single people right and then very few marriages those real special marriages that they go to each other for this conversation. That is my goal. My goal is to have that marriage. And it's not because I want to rely solely on that person for everything. I don't want them to be my everything. They don't need to be. I just want them to be capable of conversing like this. It's intellectually stimulating, but it also helps us navigate our relationship. I mean, I'd say, you know what? No, not also. Primarily, it yeah. help, it will help us navigate our relationship together. It will help us never get into explosive fights, Arguments. which yeah. I am totally against. Yeah, yeah. It's so true. It's so true. So here's the thing. I, I love the way you and I are. I love the way we converse, the way we challenge each other. Um, no, I will not marry you. Push back. I know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this is, do you want, is there a proposal coming my way? No. So I've, I have similar friendships with other people, both male and female. 
And uh, I know that maybe that be, might be a little hypocritical with some of the topics we talked about before. But I always think, like, because of the friendships I have, it, it's uh, I don't have many great friendships like this. It's just small amount. But because of this, it, it makes me crave this level of communication even more yeah. with my partner. It yeah. just, I crave it. And, and it's so much more exaggerated if it's not there. Exactly. Because I have it in other parts of my life. It's, it just, I think like, is this like a con? Is this, is this a pro or a con? That's like saying, I wish I was dumber. You know, if I was dumb, then I would be in love. A lot of people say that. I wish I could just accept less. Ignorance is bliss. Exactly. But that's why people say that because they say ignorance is bliss. And maybe in some ways, but this is, you know, we, we talked about this before where the, the more healed you are as a person, the harder your life is. Yeah. The lonelier you are. It's, it's a lonely road becoming healthy. (laughs) It is. Welcome. Yeah. I'm not healed, by the way. I'm not. That's not a. No, I don't think any of us are. I don't think we ever will be. No. Fully. No. And I think admitting that is important. Yeah. And you know, one of the things we talked about, I think, and I don't know if it was our last podcast or two podcasts ago, but we we talked about flaws in our partners, and I did see one of the comments of like, "Oh, well, you should love the person for who they are," and it's like, I don't want to have that perspective though. I want to have a perspective of I I don't think you're perfect because you're not. I know your flaws. I'm aware of your flaws. I'm aware of all your great stuff. And I'm choosing to go down this road with you. I'm choosing to be partners with you. You're my you're my partner in crime. And and that doesn't mean I accept every sorry it doesn't mean I'm critical of every part of you I accept every part of you with that being said part of my non-negotiable is you and I promising to each other that we are always going to be better we're going to work towards being better people part of that is developing as a person you know connecting with yourself more to to be a better partner for me and for yourself that's love that's love. That is love. I was with someone once who I loved him unconditionally. I knew that. And I would talk about some of his flaws with him, hoping for a conversation because I would talk about my own flaws. I would not leave myself out of this conversation. And he took it as an attack on him. He would say, you always say you love me, but all of these things. And I, I said, that's not what I'm saying. No, I, I'm here. I'm not leaving because I do love you, but can we not just have this yeah. girl? You have so many flaws. So many. And I, we talk about them all the time. All the time. And I think what I realized later on with him is it was, there was a lot of insecurities going on there. And there was, it, unfortunately my love could yeah. not solve them. Yeah. And I think that's what they mean about you have to love yourself before someone else can love you. Because half the time, if you don't love yourself, 
you're simply going to reject someone loving you. And in that narrative, you've now become the bad guy. Absolutely. So it's like, no matter what you say, he's always going to perceive you, unfortunately, as she's putting me down. Yeah. She's miserable and she's always, but I've been there. Yeah. Everything I used to say to this, this one guy who went out (laughs) with, and it was a very serious relationship too. And everything I said was, here we go again. You're putting (sighs) me down. And you know me, you know how I speak. I, I'm, I do my best in every relationship, whether it's friendships, I do my best to not come across as critical in that sense. I always go in with a question of like, do you think what you did yesterday? Like, what do you, how do you feel about what, with our conversation? Yes. Just to like, and right away it's here we go again. What do you have to say negatively about me now? The interesting part is I was with someone like that who loved me unconditionally, Mm -hmm. but would pick me apart and be critical. And he would constantly say back to me whenever I would reject that, he would say similar to what your man was saying to you in that, no, no, I'm, I just want to talk about this, right? That's what he would say. Yes. Right. Here's the difference. The reason I was rejecting his perception of our critical conversations was because he had wronged me previously. Right. He had disrespected me. So you had resentment. Exactly. Okay. So that is similar to people who feel insecurities, mm-hmm. right? It's th- it, If there is this thing between you two, whether it's homegrown or it was put on you from your partner you're never going to get over it and you're never going to get past that perception of how the and you're not going to have a healthy relationship until you heal whatever piece of that yeah is between you exactly and so you can be responsible of healing other people right you can bring things up and say hey fyi this is kind of you know how i felt about this and i this is not what I'm willing to put up with. And then it's up to your partner to kind of self-reflect and be like, oh, maybe the way I speak is a little bit aggressive. Maybe my tone does need to change, but that's on them to fix. And this goes back to effort. I'm not talking about actions like go and get me flowers and, you know, no, it's when I ask something, a discussion we had, or I need you to be aware of it and Effort is you self-reflecting. Even that is a big deal, right? I want to see you trying because Um, I'm showing up. Let's navigate back to the workplace for a second mm because we also started this discussing Gen Zers and the nine to fivers um, and the rejection of that modernized way of thinking because they're coming into it with these preconceived notions of corporate is devil and they can't. They're finding themselves not being able to adopt the old way of life. If we could give any advice to the things that we're talking about, how to navigate a space and relationship without certainty, um, are there things that you've learned in your career in navigating the business worlds? Because you and I are similar. We also get affected by the mundaneness of life and the greediness of corporate 
And I think there could be things that we've learned along the way of how to not necessarily it just ignore it and work and just adopt a better work ethic method. This is through a, a book I read by Tim Ferriss for our work week. In that book, they, he talks about control and how CEOs, anyone in management runs their business. And if you're running your business in a way where you are required as a boss, you're needed all the time, you're running it incorrectly. You should run it that no one on your team is depending on you because you've, you, your job as part of the hiring team and management is to hire the right person for the position. And so when you start encouraging or even, um, wanting to be involved in the day-to-days of their work, you, you're a micromanager. And so one thing that I learned was this idea of like continuously to offer help, continuously to wanting to be part of their schedule was in fact harmful for me because it's not healthy for me to always have my phone on. It's not healthy for me to work all the time to make sure other people are doing their jobs. It also doesn't encourage them. It also doesn't give them a nice feeling of being able to feel like, I got this, like giving them the right confidence to, you know, no, I've hired you for a reason. It's okay if you make a mistake, we'll fix it. And so like I had to kind of change that perspective middle of this business I was running. Fucking it was fantastic. I stopped, (laughs) I stopped asking about when they would come in. I stopped asking about when they would leave. It was more project basis. I would tell them I'm going on holiday, make a mistake. If it's okay, we'll fix it. That way of thinking, they just became better. So for the people on the bottom of the totem pole who are dealing with the nightmare micromanagers, Mm -hmm. because they're still there, Mm -hmm. in my experience, I had about four or five nightmare managers before I got to one good manager. So I didn't even know what a healthy workplace was like until five or six jobs in. And looking back, I did practice patience in those jobs because I was eager to move ahead. And so I just kind of relied on my eagerness to want to surpass my nightmare and bosses, um, which I wouldn't recommend as your only motivational tool in work. But I relied on that heavily to get me through the work day. But now looking back and whenever I have interns that I mentor, I always tell them the same thing. Like, if you view me as a nightmare or if you view anyone else that you're dealing with as a nightmare, look at it as a learning tool. You use this to practice what not to do when you get there someday, because you will. You will. If you work hard enough, you will get there. I, I operate a little bit differently. I, I believe everything can be negotiated. I, I strongly believe that in life. I think everything has there's always a way to come up to a resolution. And so like, I I specifically remember this one lady I worked for. I won't say her name because she still might be in the role. She was a piece of work. She wanted to be involved in every single thing. She had a very condescending way of speaking to people. She was a little bit worse towards women as you know, we've, we've experienced women can sometimes be harsher with other females sadly 
And I just went into her office one day and I was like, listen, if you need me to perform, this is what I need from you. And I know you want this too, because these are, this is our goal, right? Um, and so this is how I work. How can we get there? And it wasn't, it wasn't like one conversation. It's something that during our meetings, like, you know how you have your reviews, I had to say in different ways. I had to communicate with her in different ways. I had to use different languages. Sometimes I had to be a little nicer. Sometimes I had to be a little bit firmer, but after like a couple months of these, and mind you, I got to say, guys, you got to be able to back your shit up. Don't ever step into any type of situation asking for something when you cannot back it up. I went in demand, requesting certain things because I was meeting my targets. I knew I was one of the top performers. So you you got to have your shit too. You can't be like the laziest person on the team and then be entitled. I don't do entitlement. That irks me. So yeah, I, I want to kind of put that like in parenthesis. I can imagine if one of your team members came up to you and said, hey, Cynthia, um, I wanted to kind of touch base. This is kind of how I feel like I operate really well. As you can see, I've performed really well in this quarter and I've done really well. And I think it's based on the fact that I had a little bit more flexibility here. So I was able to be more creative in my work. Now, I know this is maybe a little bit out of your control, but what are the options we have to kind of allow me this type of work situation? I think the biggest difference as I'm listening to you the biggest difference between you and someone else who may not be as highly motivated, because you are a highly motivated person. There's people out there that aren't that highly motivated. But when I think about everyone who's come to me stuck in a situation, just on a personal level, either in their relationship or in a workplace, and they continually get stuck in these same situations, or they have this foresight into what's going to happen as soon as they speak up and so they don't bother I out think of the fear no I think the biggest difference is their capability of exactly what we've been talking about eliminating that need for certainty this is the prescription of how you go into an office when you ask a raise this is the prescription you have to instead think about the person that you're dealing with Think about the bigger picture. I think a lot of people lack awareness of the kind of people that they're dealing with. We can't prescribe to each other exact advice on how to deal with the situation, even though we go to each other for it sometimes, until we know yeah. about the person that the, the other person is dealing with. Of, yeah. Right. And there's a reason for that because it differs yeah, from situation differ. to situation. But the fundamentals don't change, right? You being an open-minded person should always be present. So, that But that's the problem. The people that I'm thinking of that constantly get stuck are not open-minded. But I, there's a step even before that. Exactly. Let's fi understand that everything in life, every conflict in life, there's a solution for exactly. it. And sometimes, by the way, sometimes the solution and the resolution is walking away. But everything, don't ever feel stuck. Don't ever, life is so much bigger than that. And I know we just said we don't give advice, but this this is just my experience. And I was, we talked about this a few days ago. Like I was fortunate enough to be raised with um, parents who were always like, okay, what's the worst thing that could happen? Right. And then when you start having that perspective, you're like, oh, wait, 
nothing nothing's gonna happen we're gonna talk it out they gave you that security of love a lot of people grow yeah. up lacking that yeah. and this is what we were just talking about with the relationship when i'm in that relationship with a person who's insecure mm-hmm. and i'm presenting my love for them they reject it mm-hmm. because it's not something that they know mm-hmm. um, i'm familiar with that yeah yeah it's it's I'm trying to liken in this to something else that happens in life where you're not just because you're not familiar with something you reject it. Sex. Yeah. Sex, love. Yeah. I mean, there's there's so many things. I sex specifically always like interests me and in how people view it mm-hmm. and how people are so defensive of <laughs> the way other people are mm you know obtaining their pleasure or Mm -hmm. this has to be done a certain way and if it's not done this way it's against this and you know or like when you are starting to date someone and you know you're finding their likes and don't likes and their boundaries and some of the some of people's like absolutely not it's just so basic yeah and you're like what do you mean that's an absolutely not for you like a girlfriend came to me she had just recently started dating someone and she was saying this exact same thing to me she was saying okay he's told me that he likes this what does that say about him Cynthia you know you know these things what does that say about him as a person I'm like I can't pitch him I know you want again I know you want certainty but that's only gonna hurt you in the end there was an example we we're gonna yeah we We, can't say this on air we're ready to talk about that yeah we can you can generalize about certain tastes yeah in in lovemaking you can generalize about what kind of person they are yeah just based off of our experience and the people (laughs) we've known absolutely and it can also we're not saying don't paint them with a brush no to protect yourself because sometimes that is helpful Mm. sometimes people who are open is not the right personality for someone who yeah, doesn't want to be you're open. not aligned yeah. in that department. But again, it doesn't make them bad you know, or yeah. like weird. Yeah. No. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> what else? What else in life? So like work, love, sex. Motivation in life. Girl, I just spent the last like 30 days like alone, <laughs> like by myself because you were sick. And I find it hard to uh, not not get up. But I find it hard to motivate myself throughout the day. Mm-hmm. But again, I'm open to trying things. Uh, okay, so here's a great example. What are we going to try? Okay, so my I grew up with a, two parents who were trying to shove things down my throat. My mom is French. and French-Canadian? French-Canadian. French, like, yeah. Paris? Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Parlez-vous. Uh, okay, anyways. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so she tried to make me learn French. I mean, like a lot of kids have yeah. to learn French, but I hated the way she did it because whenever I would go to her for help, she'd be like, no, look <laughs> it up in the dictionary. So I resented her and right. I rejected the whole French thing. My dad was very, uh, he loved meditation. He loved bike riding, yoga. He would get up every morning at 5 a.m. and do yoga. And then I rejected that whole lifestyle because I'm like, oh, no, parents. <laughs> and now I'm finally coming around to a few things. Which I'm, one? I'm coming around to yoga. Yeah. There's definitely benefits to it. But like, I got to grow up. 
you know? And I think that's what it is. You just got to grow up and realize like you're being stubborn. Yeah. You're being a stubborn little shit. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, cause they're doing it. Cause he likes pasta. Yeah. I'm not going to eat pasta. And that's your own ego and your own shit. You got to deal with. Yeah. Cause fucking yoga is great. It is great. It is great. I mean, I'm not. And so is French by the way. Yeah. 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 It's great to know a language. <laughs> any language maybe that's what we should do we should start all of our podcasts with a new word Ooh. from any language we want okay <laughs> anything we want it's just one word oh this is gonna get and it can the be it can be like spice it could be a spicy word it could be like a boring word it okay. could be something as simple as like like hello okay and then and you have to have the pronunciation down yeah so you got to listen to that google yeah, yeah yeah the way she and then we'll see if if people can pick it up <laughs> yeah you know what i always think about Cryptic. whenever i think about other languages and just cultures in general mm. just that perception that i never had until someone brought it up right which was oh us, so us as Canadians, we're like, oh, the American accent and oh, the British accent. They have such a strong accent. And then the British people are like, no, you, you have an accent. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I think it's predominantly a North American way of thinking where we think we actually run the world. Yeah. Like, no, our language and our accent is just normal speak and then everyone else has the actual accent <laughs> and it's so wow I, I can't believe we think like that when I lived abroad and worked abroad it was that was my mindset I was like what are you talking about I have an accent you have the accent and then but it's funny because if you're from certain parts of Canada I'll be like yeah you have an accent right yeah. Oh, so Nova Scotian. Yeah. Like I can, I can pick it up. Like, you know, but you know what I mean? Or even like, not even necessarily like that. Yeah. East, yeah, yeah. Even other parts. A little up like, north. A little up north. Yeah. Hey buds. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, there you go, guys. We're going to have okay. some cryptic fun games coming up. Mm. I think it'll be cute. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a word to exit on. And I, can't. Um, I learned French for like 10 years. Say so. bye in French. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <C 'est la vie. laughs> i think some people do say bonjour as a goodbye oh yeah sometimes yeah, yeah. that's what i was trying to think of okay well um au revoir oh uh in german Fiedersen. a fidesen yeah i think that's what it was a fidesen what's that one yeah i do know a swear word in italian Ooh. You, you want me to say it? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is it a good one or is it? Yeah, like it's it's f you. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, so okay, who I'll... do we want to who do we want to say that to? Though? Like, okay, I'm gonna say, say it. To... Say it, and then like, be like that to the idea of prescribed pers advice. Okay, okay, okay. Vaffanculo. <laughs> <laughs> starting every episode with that <laughs> i love italian cynthia <laughs> i am half italian though it didn't just come out of nowhere i okay. know <laughs> all right good job <laughs> so good <laughs>